Welcome one and all to Umami Manga. I am one of your hosts, Petter, and with me I got my co-host, James. Oh, hey. And today we're talking about volume 12 of To Your Eternity. Our podcast is finally caught up to as far as I had read of this manga before we started the podcast. So from, from this point on, James and I are on, on, on the exact same page. We know all of the same stuff. Uh, so I'm super excited to be able to, you know, fully join in on the speculations and predictions and whatnot as we move on from here. What a place to end for you. you I know? know. I know. It's pr- it's a pretty perfect waiting waiting spot. Yeah, it's a good way to end, <laughs> but also kind of exciting. It's like, well, where, where do you go from here kind of a yes. situation. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty cool. And then I'm, I'm glad we get to theorize about it. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm super excited. And, and yeah, like it's, um, it's definitely a, like a super clear arc shift, you know. Uh, yeah. So I, I guess I guess with that when I when I got here in the manga and I guess it was when well, Volume Thirteen came around at that point we had already started talking about doing some manga podcasts and I, I guess I had in the back of my head like okay what if I would just wait with that one a bit and maybe we'll cover it and that way I'll well it, it'll it'll be more fun for the podcast and I'm very glad I did so yeah mm-hmm. yeah I, I'm gonna read that volume right after this recording it's been waiting in my bookshelf for like <laughs> at least a year at this point it's crazy uh, but anyway <laughs> I am super super excited and but yes let's get into the discussion starting with Fushi as we always do at long last Fushi learns about the full extent of his ability you know to bring people back to life Mm-mm. which is something you know Bon has kept from him since volume eight was it or nine uh, it's been a while at least when was it? Yeah, probably volume eight. Mm. So that's quite a long time, and yeah, I mean the way it's revealed to him is all. I mean, it's it's not something I think most people would have expected. Probably my favorite moment in this in this book was seeing Gugu embracing Fushi like with that big hug. Oh and, yeah, like, that and, was. Oh, <laughs> in so doing good. that, like he knocked him on the ground, and like I yeah, I got <laughs> so emotional seeing that. Like, they could actually hug each other. This was an emotional volume. It was. It really was. And it was a, a bittersweet volume, I think, to a large extent. Like, it was... Mm, mm-hmm. Like, it had a lot of positive things happen, but also, like, you know, everyone basically died. Yeah. Everyone died. Uh, mm-hmm. well, but, but but still, obviously, we have this knowledge that they can come back now, but still, they, <laughs> they all died. And, you know, I, I guess... Now, in in this Fushi section of the discussion, I feel like we will probably talk about those, the, like the the ones that he brought back, or like the the, okay. the friends that he has. I think they probably will belong in this discussion because there probably isn't too much on either specific, uh, and they are so tied to Fushi, especially in this volume. So I think if there's anything on those right. characters, I think we should talk about them here. I feel like we sort of got it pretty much confirmed here that Gugu, March, Tonari, Ligard, and Oniguma seem to have been the only ones traveling with Fushi, or that that stayed with Fushi over yeah. all, all the years, like in the form of Fai. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, if no one else was around at that time, unless they unless they decided to go on a journey, <laughs> I guess then a, yeah, yeah, that that's it. Mm. Um, which I mean, these are some very important players to revive back, but you know it does make you think about Neen. It does make you think yeah about Perona definitely um, yeah those two specifically especially Perona for me okay uh, oh well, well yeah the, well, the, well, the, well actually those two specifically you're right you're right mm. those two specifically yeah yeah so it's like you know, it's too bad that they couldn't be along right um, with them but it really is yeah because March said 
that they are here because they love Fushi. Uh, right. Obviously, we don't know if her words are like exactly what the lore about it is. Um, I guess we can't say that for sure, but at least that's what what March said about that, like why they were there is because they love him. Which, oh my heart. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. I know. I know. Right. <laughs> it's so sweet. But then you know, it makes me think. Did Oniguma love Fushi more than Rin and Perona did? <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what's Oniguma doing there? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, I guess it's cool. I got but... no family. Got no place to go. <laughs> so lonely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, I, I don't know. It's just a little, little bit funny. I mean, he, he's cool. He's iconic. And uh, okay, crazy theory time. Do you think that Oniguma would come back? he would place his phi into a different kind of body? Like, do you think that's something that... Is that possible uh, I don't... for Fushi? Maybe not now, but maybe Wait. in the future. Cause, Wait, cause... do you mean like what, what Pioran did? Yeah, kind of like a Pioran situation hmm. where the Beholder was able to take her phi and kind of reincarnate it into a different kind of body. Hmm. Um, granted, that body was very much, uh, you know manufactured and <laughs> that's not the right way to say it well well uh, you know, I, yeah i know what you mean <laughs> tool you know <laughs> yeah. created in a uh-huh. different kind of way yes so there's obviously difference there but i don't know it, it would be it would be funny if the Onikua came back <laughs> and get, got a life as a human being oh yeah has um, has no meaning other than it being just funny right right be. exactly because he wouldn't have any memories of being oniguma or anything like that yeah he would just, uh-huh. yeah, I, <laughs> I, I guess could happen. I don't know, as you kind of said, like I don't know why, but could be. I mean, or 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 maybe there like will said, be crackpot theory time. Maybe <laughs> Oima will find a way to make it like actually hold weight somehow. That we yeah. don't, well, that we just can't think of right now. Who knows? True. Well, to your point, like Oniguma being there is just you know, I, I guess it's just there for purposes of. They had a bear fighting for them, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, and I I was also thinking about it that one reason why Oima chose to have Oniguma stick around with Fuji might have been more so sort of visually, like for visual purposes, because when Bon was looking, you know, at Fuji, and you know, we could always see, or he could always see, you know, the silhouette of the bear, which is very recognizable. Yeah. So. It could have just been for a simple reason as that, perhaps. But I guess we'll see. Maybe maybe we'll, know, we'll learn more about it. <laughs> well, I think that could very well be the, the main reason. But as, as you know, most authors will take plot threads or plot points and then make it, make it more relevant or, or yeah. try to do something with it later on. Maybe not something they had planned out to begin with, but right. sometimes the story just goes that way. So we'll see, but I, I, I'm not losing sleep over why Oniguma <laughs> is there. True, true. I think I think it was all for just the heartwarming moment where she ba- Mar- March stops the bear in its tracks and it's just calmed down and basically tames the bear. I, I think you know it's it's all it's all because of March. It's all March's doing. She's the ultimate tamer. She is the she mother, is. ultimate mommy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, when Kai brought Echo back to Fushi after, you know, after after Echo had been injured by the knocker, by, by having the knocker in her arm, it seemed like Kai was alluding, or like he was implying to Fushi that 
what if we just killed her and you just revived her? Oh, like yeah. You, do, you know, he, he definitely did that. And, mm-hmm. and Bond suggested it mm-hmm. even more bluntly later on. But Fushi, like to him, that didn't even seem to be an option. You know, I think at first when he talked to Kai, it didn't even come to mind. And when yeah. when Bond made it more clear to him, he it wasn't something he wanted to do, which I I respected that a lot. Cause, and, and, and I think it's a really good sign that shows that Fushi's humanity is indeed still very much intact. I think. Yeah. Because he doesn't want to take those sorts of measures. And yeah, I, th- I think I, I thought that was awesome to see. Uh, complete, completely agree. Hmm. And I hope he's able to keep that sort of mindset throughout. And because it, it's really what makes Fushi Fushi. Yeah. Uh, at least at this point is that he doesn't want to just take human life or just, well, take life in general, hmm. just willy nilly like that. It shows that y- your life does have consequence, does have meaning. And I think Bone also mentions that he's glad that Fushi didn't decide on that. He's kind of relieved, like yeah. you said. And and I think that goes into part of the reason why he didn't tell Fushi, all, you know, all those months ago, why he or how he could, you know, resurrect people. Because I think he was worried that it could get to a situation where just people are dying, you know, left yeah. and right mm. um, for various reasons. But you know, not valuing their their life, and that may that may be a little dehumanizing, right, um, right, on Fushi's part. But anyway, yeah. So that that's just not that's not the case at this point. That's yeah, great. And I thought it was especially awesome to see it, just because I feel like with the previous volume, we saw the three warriors do it over and over and over, and like yeah, and like it happened so much. So it was a bit worry worrisome, I, I'd say, mm-hmm. based on what we saw in the previous volume. So it was really really nice, I guess, to to see that. Fushi isn't lost to well he hasn't lost his humanity uh and that's yeah it. yeah it's great great and apparently his ability to recreate people and things has improved drastically as i yeah. think it was the narrator who pointed out he he pretty much just has to take a look at something and then he can recreate it perfectly now and i guess is that in part due to receiving bone as a vessel because of bone's ability to see the Phi, is that partly why he was able to do that? It was after he received that vessel that it was pointed out by the narrator. I wasn't sure, though, if it was because of that or if it was just, well, if it wasn't. Um, Now that you brought that up, though, I got the thought or the idea that, well, I don't think it's because of Bond's ability to see the dead, Hmm. but but I could see it being because... Bon is also, like, in addition to being able to see the dead, he's also able to, well, notice things, even not the dead necessarily, but just in, in general, he has, he, 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 he can, he sees a lot of things going on. He, he notices things that others don't, as we've seen, like, he, hmm. you know, he pays attention to every single soldier in his army, stuff like that. That's true. I don't know if that's something that was also passed on to Fushi with that, or at least when he's in his form, that maybe... Maybe thanks to that, Fushi learned to improve his his ability to recreate things. Yeah, maybe I. For some reason, I, I think part of it had to do with the fact that, at least I feel like, be taking Bones' vessel and receiving that power he has to see the dead, I think that kind of triggered that ability within Fushi to be able to create those those uh, vessels because it it was the three things that he needed. Uh, what was it? Scent, um, shape was the third thing. and sound sound which 
I, I guess the ability to see the dead, he's able to smell and hear them as well. Yeah. So to me, that that implies because he's able to have that, he doesn't need any sort of other stimulant besides that. Yeah, it may could be. <laughs> I guess that's kind of too much in the details. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, it could be. It could be. So it's true that Fushi has grown a lot stronger by now, obviously, like, since this Renry Lark began and, or, like, this whole, really the whole, like, Kahaku and Bon arc, he's grown so much over that whole, uh, over these past six volumes. And something I thought he had learned before, especially during the Tonari arc, you know, the Jananda arc, was that, mm-hmm. you know, to rely on others and to not go and do everything all by himself. Yeah. Yet, that's exactly what he's doing at the end of this volume. He's leaving everyone behind. Everyone was just reunited, and now he's going off on his on his own uh, to do everything by himself. Even though that never worked out in the past for him. And I don't know. I just I, I was a little bit disappointed in Fuji. Like I I enjoy the character really? still. Uh, I just was disappointed in him that he would do this to his friends, uh, especially since he has gone through character growth that I thought had taught him that you're stronger together. You know what's funny? I didn't have an issue with that in this volume and how it ended. I did not have an issue with that. Mm, mm. Like, but like, uh, I did you, have I, I, it... I'm sorry. I just want to make one, one quick thing clear is that I don't have an issue with the story told. I just, I guess it's just with like the person, like mm-hmm. Fushi as a, as a person, not, not, not against the writing of the character. Mm-hmm. But yes, sorry, go on. I did have an issue with Fushi's character after the Jananda arc because it felt like he kind of repeated that whole thing where he learned the lesson that he needs people, but then he's just like, no, I'm going to be by myself. It's like, okay. And then he then he gains people again. It kind of, he, he gets Bon and Kahaku. But then once he gets back to Renryo, he's like, no, or well, not back to when he gets to Renryo, he's like, no, I got to do this by myself. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he kind of kept going into this thing where I got to do this by myself. Right. And now I feel like he's finally learned that there is strength in numbers in that sense. And as as the narrators say, it says, knockers learned they could not defeat the current Fushi, which is a great line, but... Did it say current Fushi? Yeah. I didn't actually notice that. Huh. Yeah, they could not defeat the current Fushi. Okay, actually, actually it, it's, it's slightly different in the physical uh, release. It says, and the knockers learned that they could no longer defeat Fushi. Interesting. I wonder why that discrepancy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because it says here, and the Nakas learned that they could not defeat the current Fushi. Huh. But, yeah. That's interesting. I feel like maybe yours or like the the Crunchyroll translation might be a bit more detailed or like con- maybe contains more of what it was in the Japanese, maybe. <laughs> I guess we can't know for sure. I don't know. But... Sometimes, yeah, sometimes I really wish I had the Japanese copy just yeah. to like <laughs> compare. It's like, how accurate is this translation? Right, right. Um, anyway, yeah, yeah. So, sorry. Uh, Anyway, so going going to my point, mm. when he had to separate from his friends, to me it made sense, and and the choice he was making to let them live their lives to the a, a full life, uh, while he had to you know make sure he can make a world where it's safe from knockers, uh, you know spread and spread himself out. Uh, I I thought it, I thought that all made sense because. He told them his consciousness was going to be thin and he wouldn't be able to even hold a conversation. So 
not being able to talk with talk with him i don't know like i could see him not mm. wanting them to waste their lives just to waiting around for fushi to you know come back up when he knew very well this is gonna take a you know a, maybe a few hundred years like, right well, right no you i, I think that, that's so that, true. That, that's my that's my thing behind it you know like yeah. it's not so much that he's not wanting to work with people or you know putting pushing people away but he's thinking there's no point for them to wait and do nothing mm. except maybe protect me uh which some do mm. um there's no point in that they should just live their life right yeah that, that, that doesn't make sense actually it's like the job that he's that he has to do at this point is is, is is he can't really do it with anybody else yeah so i guess that that is a bit sad but it's just how it is it's definitely not like taking out knockers on the beach you know that, <laughs> he could have had friends with that you know true right right exactly yeah yeah he's just reached a level of well superpower I, or whatever <laughs> yeah at this point you know that the others can't really keep up with him with when he's doing these sorts of things uh-huh yeah but you know he is doing it for his friends that's true too. you know he does mm-hmm. want to bring them back to a to a world without knockers and that's that's a great goal to have yeah so is world peace the new objective here it kind of sounds like it because like that's like world peace is the only way to make like sort of to bring everybody's dreams uh to fruition kind of or that's at yeah. least how it how they kind of sort of worded it. Um, even if the, all the knockers are defeated, it's like there's still going to be conflicts between humans. Like, right? Obviously, you know. So it's it's I mean it's a it's a fine goal to have, but it's I don't know how realistic it is, you know. Yeah, maybe it's my pessimistic side, but I, I'm <laughs> I'm right with you. It's not very realistic. Mm-hmm. Even even if everybody had an immortal body, well, I mean, I I guess if. If we're all per, if they're all perfect beings, but you people still have opinions and get into arguments. I don't know. It, it's yeah. It's too. It's too hard of a concept for me to completely understand. And <laughs> yeah, if yeah. she goes that way, she goes that way. Oh, okay, that's a nice, that's a nice eternal peace kind of situation. <laughs> um, we'll see. I guess we will indeed. But uh, Fushi, yeah, like I think you touched on it a bit earlier. But like he doesn't want his friends to live their lives for the sake of others as they've done in the past, but rather he wants mm-hmm. them all to live for themselves. That's really nice, but obviously Fuji himself doesn't live by those words himself in this moment. He he only... Everything he does from the end of this book to... Well, like, yeah, but basically for like during the epilogue of this book, everything he does is for the sake of everybody else. Mm. Yeah. So like I guess hopefully somewhere in the back of his head he has the thought that maybe... You know, in the future he he'll be able to also live for himself, but that's just not here quite yet, I guess. Well, and and I think living for yourself in Fushi's case is living in a world that is free of knockers and I guess is peaceful. Yeah. A world where all of his friends can live out their dreams. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I think that's the ultimate relief, or at least the kind of. Thing he desires uh, you know living for himself yeah and didn't but... he say that his dream was for everybody else's dreams to come true didn't he say that right yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens from here for fushi because he thins out himself so much mm-hmm. is it just because he has to extend himself that he can't 
come back to his it can't fully come back to his body or is he literally stretching himself out in that sense i, I don't know like right. surely, he'll, surely he'll regain consciousness at some point yeah i, I feel like obviously i don't know for sure but I, I feel like what he's doing as he's like you know spreading himself out more and more across the globe it's taking power like it, it, it requires you know energy and focus and strength or whatever to 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 do all of this but i imagine it also strengthens him at the same time like the more he does it and like the it's it's kind of like doing push-ups the more you do it the better you mm, become at mm-hmm. it so sort of at least that, that that's how i think about it um, yeah like he he will kind of get used to this the strain of doing it maybe and then eventually he won't need to focus as much and just be able to do it instinctively sort of maybe <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah perhaps then there'll be there'll be no one running from Fushi after that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like he's he's on he's on the path to uh, invincibility. Yeah. I mean, Santa Claus, and <laughs> God to the extreme. He sees sees you when you're sleeping. Knows when you're awake. Yes. Oh my God. This is just Santa Claus's origin story. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the beard? There's no beard yet. <laughs> I mean, he's got the white hair already. Ah, uh, true. So, you know. True. He's on the way. He's coming to town. We skipped uh, a few generations. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, anyway, moving on. When when Fushi made it clear that he's going on alone, and March said that being dead was better than this, that was, that was like, ooh, yeah, oof, indeed. Like, uh, my heart... And, yeah. and for that to come from a little girl, like a little four-year-old, whatever she is, uh, it was really rough. Yeah. And yeah. and Tonari seemed to share the same feelings. Um, mm-hmm. She just didn't express it as as much, I suppose. But she really related to March's emotions there. And, and then there was this whole thing also about March took some sort of euthanasia drug to... To end her life because of well the depression that she was going through supposedly from missing Fushi so much, mm-hmm. and there was a panel where Tonari was holding a, a jar of, or a little bottle of uh, of pills. I I'm I'm guessing that, that those were the ones like she gave that to March because she just she knew how terrible she was feeling. Is my oh, yeah. was my guess. Uh, I mean that's probably it. No no doubt in my mind that's what what happened. Yeah. At least I'm glad Tonari was able to li- live a long life, you know, grow old. Yeah. Even though she was also in a lot of pain, you know. Definitely good for her. But but yeah, for March to die that way, or the second time for March to die that way, really dark. It, yeah, it was really dark. Um, you know, I, I couldn't help but think, surely there would have been benefit to her, to letting her just, I guess, live out, just let, let her be there and maybe, maybe she come to grips with it, come to grips with the grieving at some point. Hmm. But I, it, they had 10 days, uh, well, less days at that point. I think that was the very day they had to leave. Otherwise, the Church of Bennett would have come and probably done something even worse, hmm. p- potentially. Right. So um, I, I guess letting her pass away was the only way. I, I don't know. It, it, it does seem like it's almost just there for the shock factor kind of a thing. 
but I, I mean, it is what it is, and I, I understand why she'd be so distraught about it. I mean, yeah, like, I definitely, like, from, for, for March, I understand it a lot, like, because it was very, it was made very clear how, how deeply she cared for Fushi, and, like, it always has been very clear, and mm-hmm. for her to miss him so much, like, I can understand that. What I... What I guess is a little stranger to me, or not not necessarily strange, because I think I understand, or I I feel like it still makes sense with the character, is uh, Tonari's decision to give this drug to March. Like, it doesn't surprise me necessarily, because I feel like it's within Tonari's character to do that, plus the fact that she actually really related to March's emotions. It's just, I think, a questionable act for an adult to give something like that to a little child, you know? (laughs) Yeah, completely. I mean, I, I, the the only thing way I can justify it is is just their situation at the time, right? Yeah, of being kicked out. You know, that's the only way I can justify it. Because if they weren't getting kicked out, if they were allowed to stay in Renio the for however long they wanted, then they should just let. I think they should have just let March be there and hopefully, or like help her, but uh, hopefully she'd be able to stay and watch over Fushi, but live a life somehow. I want, yeah, maybe. But yeah, it, the situation wouldn't allow it, apparently. Right, yeah. You, uh, yeah, you're right. The, the time pressure definitely <laughs> didn't help. It was, it was still kind of like, whoa, all right. Did not expect her to die in that way. <laughs> yeah, and it was just kind of mentioned, like, kind of quickly by the beholder, sort of during the epilogue pages. It was kind of poetic, but still just like, all right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And we also learned that Gugu died the same way, although a little bit later. Yeah. But still also, just, you know, went that route in the end. So that's also pretty sad. Indeed. But hey, uh, Bon lived a long life and uh, so did Tonari. So that's fun. Yeah, they did makes sense that tonight would go to jananda and everything yeah that was actually really really nice uh, I, I hope she was able to be happy so you know one thing i've always wondered if did did sandal and her ever have any sort of relationship yeah that is a good like <laughs> good question besides sibling wise like you know not, they're not actually siblings but just kind of or i guess the best is a friend but mm. so close for siblings kind of a situation yeah yeah i i I don't know. There are several questions about that. For Tanati, we know that she was with the descendant, uh, Sandal's descendants. Yeah. Now, I guess they would have known her from the books that she wrote and, and potentially uh, Sandal helped publish. Right. So there's that. Uh, but, you know, does that imply that they were her descendants as well? I, yeah. I don't know. Like, <laughs> you think maybe she would, as she being um, Oima would be more distinct about mm. these were her and Sandal's descendants. Yeah. Uh, instead of just saying Sandal's descendants. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 totally. Like, and and the, the thought came to mind for me as well. Like, is this both of their descendants? Even though it just specified that it's Sandal's. But I I actually, I, I choose to just read it as what, as what, it, as what it says. Mm-hmm. As it just being Sandal's descendants and not hers. Because as you say, I think... Their relationship was very sibling-like, to to yeah. a big extent. I mean, they they knew each other since they were very very young, and and all of that. Plus, plus the potential idea that Tonari 
had a romantic interest in sushi. Right, and that goes into my other point, yo. Uh. Like, I don't know for sure, but I'm still thinking that Tanade might be kind of crushing on Fushi, even though she's 50-something years old hmm. at this point. Like, she still kind of has maybe feelings for the guy. I don't, Okay, the reason yeah. why I say this, <laughs> this is totally anime-tropish kind of, kind of thing, uh-huh. but the, the bath, the, the bath scene, you know? <laughs> like... She's just chilling in the tub with March, having a good time. March is like, Fuji, get on over here. Your mom's going to scrub your back for you. <laughs> and then tonight's just like, I'm out. Like, I, I, oh, I, I gotta, I'm done. Uh... Like, she, like, she doesn't want him to see her vulnerable. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Maybe. I don't know. I mean, Dude. look, if she, it, I mean, look, Fuji could easily transform into a woman's body and just be like, you know, hey, this is no big deal for me. <laughs> but, if, it, if that bothers Tonari so much, maybe it is because she still has feelings for the person. Right. Because if you have feelings for someone, you, d- you don't want to see them, see you naked in that situation. I mean, that's, mm. you know, there's a time and a place. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that, was, that was my whole thinking there. Um, but then again, her living out an entire life, dying... And then how this volume ends hmm. doesn't bode well for that whole, I guess, ship necessarily. I, I know she'll come back in some aspect, I, I, or at least I feel like she will. Right. But it's just, I do have some questions about that. But I'll, I'll say, I'll save that for theorizing. I think. Sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, mm. <laughs> yeah. And then one other thing about Tonati is, just, I guess, reemphasize that she's a big reason that this is all possible. That this whole. Oh yeah. Uh, re, re, reuniting with all of Fushi's greatest friends and uh, finding Bone and being able to see them. That was all because of, part, partly all because of Tonati and, yeah. and her hard work, uh, which is incredible. And I think to not, I mean, they me- they mentioned that and I'm so glad they did. So to, yeah, not not give her credit for that it would, be a sh- would be a shame. Absolutely, yeah. There were some panels of March that were just so perfectly well-drawn like so expressive and face hmm. like some of the most expressive and detailed close-ups in the manga. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like she knew, like, hey, I brought March back. I gotta lay it, <laughs> lay lay it thick on on the cuteness, adorableness, and how precious this little four or five year old is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it was great, and I I I loved it each and every one of them. And she had some great lines. I don't I won't list them all, but. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Fushi, or you know, we love, we all love you. Mm. Mama's here. Anyway, it was, it was just great. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, Fushi's like, like him reuniting with her was also really sweet when he like almost oh, said ma- mother or mommy. <laughs> like... <laughs> no, he was gonna say March. He was gonna say March. But everyone thought he was gonna say mother or mom or like. <laughs> that was that was really that was a really funny bit. I. I'll be honest, when Masara was like, I didn't know you were into that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> What's his name? Is, is like, don't even joke about that. Yeah. Why did your mm, mind go there? So um, rude. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> but, but again, it, it was so great that March was there because maybe Pjorn could have done, I don't know, it would have been, been hard for Pjorn to have done it all by herself, even, even if she is the immortal horse that she is now not mm. having at least somebody who understood the situation 
would have been would have been really really difficult in order to get Fushi back. So, mm. um, yeah, thank goodness, March was there. Yeah, speaking of of Pioran, though, I wonder now that you know a lot of more time has passed by the time this volume yeah. ends. You know, we're in present day, although a different world, but still, I wonder if Pioran will still be living, or well, at least her fight, if if it will still be living as a horse the same horse or whatever or if it will have been reborn again as something new once more perhaps i, I don't know right that, that's something i'm excited to see perhaps what might be same mm. i think you, you we theorized about this way way back yeah <laughs> uh and yeah i i, I guess I'm, I'm glad to see that we're both in the dark. No, well, I'm not glad, but it just—it's <laughs> interesting to see we're we're both in the dark about it. And just well, I'm glad about it. <laughs> how is this going to go? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that that that's another character I'm interested to see where she'll fit on in the story going forward. Yeah. And my last thing about March is how her dream, and of course it wouldn't change, but she still wants to be a mommy. Yeah. And it's just oh my gosh, <laughs> just just. Just seeing a child, because I obviously can't hear them. It's a, it's a, it's a book. Uh, <laughs> seeing a child say, "I still want to be a mommy," is just like, mm. ah, yeah. It's so pure. I know, right? Oh my gosh. Ah. <laughs> uh, uh, yes. And the fact that she technically, may, maybe, maybe can eventually just, oh man, that'd be so, so much happiness right there. Right. Oh my god. Like, oh my god. Like, I, I imagine that, like. Maybe that's not something that will happen until like the very, very end of the whole story, perhaps mm-hmm. like at the very, mm-hmm. very end of the entire series. But it it will happen, and when it does, you know, we're all gonna cry. So many. Oh my gosh. So yeah. many. So tears. many tears. <laughs> so, uh, oh, actually, I do have one more thing on March. Right. Uh, note to self: Don't make March mad. <laughs> she, she just she throws a tantrum, yeah. and when when Fushi calls her selfish, she's just like. <gasps> Just, oh my gosh! Just freaks out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Goodness gracious! If she does ever become a mommy, bless the man who is the father. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. She'll have plenty of character development before she becomes a mommy. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, I hope so too. Yeah. Right. Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. That's all I have on March. I, I don't know if you have anything else on Fushi. I just have a a couple things. Yeah. Go go for it. I really like the idea of him coming back to his spear and he ha- he was just hanging on by a, a rope or by a thread. Um, you know, because I really thought Fushi was gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, completely gone. Um, but I guess they were able, well, Echo was able to find yeah. find Fushi. Uh-huh. It's kind of scary to think that he was just lost his entire consciousness for that long. and Because Beholder has said in the past if he loses, if the knockers gain everything, he... They just start from square one again. Yeah. Maybe it's a situation where the knocker, or not knocker, but the beholder just knows that it would be okay. <laughs> and so he, he doesn't start from square one. Because what's stopping him from just being like, all right, well, let's try this again. He might give him a little time, perhaps. Mm, I, I, mean, I mean, technically, you know, Fushi was still existing in a material form, like not just not in a form that could have an, a consciousness of its own. So how would the knockers, like, so then how would the knockers truly defeat fushi then not sure would they have would they have to s- stab the spear i i, I, I don't know. know i don't know i <laughs> i don't know either <laughs> stab the spear not the spear at, spear at this point james you and i know all of the same things <laughs> hooray <laughs> but yeah i don't know 
uh, sorry to put out questions that will maybe never to get answered, but that's what that's what I'm here for. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Lastly, someone yells when Fushi does get, regain his consciousness and he takes Bone's form. Someone yells, "God hasn't abandoned us." Oh, and yeah. I know that's probably referring. It's probably referring to the Church of Bennett God or some other religious belief. Mm. But again, this is parallels to what happened. Of, was that volume nine or ten? Mm. One of the when Fushi is in the in the in the iron ball, and Bone is uh, being held at the on the cliffside. Someone mentions like God has abandoned you or something like that, mm. and then goes to the next page where it says Fushi did not abandon them. Right. So, or something like that. Yes, yes. And so the, so there's there's that parallel and then this parallel with God, you know, something God hadn't abandoned them, but it automatically go, goes to Fushi did not abandon them. Exactly. Yeah, it's just some sort of interesting parallel it, comparing God or comparing Fushi to a God-like figure. For sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely agree. I, I like that a lot as well. Anyway, that's all I got. Sorry to take so much time. There. Oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I mean, Fushi was really the biggest, or definitely the one that I also like had the most noted down for out of all the characters here. But moving on to Kahaku. He actually did cut his arm off to stop that knocker. Yay! I mean, not, not wait a minute. I, yay? Yeah. Like, <laughs> d- d- did we? Did I predict that? I don't even. I can't even I, remember. I, I, we probably mentioned it. I can't. I think remember. we talked about it. Yeah, and honestly, I didn't remember all of the specific details around that, uh, so I didn't know at the time that he would, or I didn't know for sure anyway. Uh, but like seeing th- those panels when he was doing that, like it wasn't just a, a clean cut. Like oh, he was like no, he was like not. sawing it off. Like it was like. Oh, like oh. I, I, I could like feel his pain, and like you could just see his emotions yeah. in that scene. It, oh, it was so well made. Like I, it was really, it was like I, I felt the pain <laughs> along with him. Kind of, it was so good. Yeah, it was, it was rough to read. I love that. For sure. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and and then he takes the responsibility for having set that knocker free. I guess, quote unquote, setting it free. Mm-hmm. It wasn't his intention, of course, but, uh, you know, but he he did he did take responsibility for it by going after. Echo, and uh, you know, doing yeah. doing everything that he could to get it out of her without harming her, which I thought was really admirable. Yeah, I really like how he saved Echo. Yes, or well, she died later on anyway. But <laughs> hey, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, no, like in in the moment he did, and right, um, that and it was you know he he handled that really well. It was really nice to see. I don't. Like how he calls Echo a, a pet dog. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was uh, thinking about that too, actually. I was like, yeah, that wasn't as cool. I don't know if that was just a an act he was putting on in order to, and you know, antagonize the oh. the, the knocker somehow. Mm, maybe. Or if that was his real feelings. Because honestly, I could see it either way. I could right. see that being his real feelings. Yes. But also maybe he was just trying to get the knockers go for some reason um yeah yeah actually you got me really torn on that too now because i didn't consider it being a play like i actually just thought it was his his actual thoughts or like the way how he felt about it but uh-huh. yeah i think both options actually really make sense in the situation so yeah <laughs> this is one of these moments where i kind of want to ask away i was like hey 
what did he how did he really feel about echo here yeah but like that's something i really enjoy about kahaku's character is sort of the ambiguity about him there is a lot of unknowns sort of around him Uh, another thing on that topic that i really enjoyed in this book was how fushi's thoughts about kahaku are left ambiguous uh, at the end of the book i think it was the beholder when he narrated he said that Mm -hmm. something along the lines of he doesn't know fushi's exact feelings toward kahaku or or something along those lines right what that life meant to him exactly right yeah that that, that's what it was so i enjoy those sorts of things in storytelling when there's things left out so we can i guess think of it what we want or speculate or or just be left wondering what the case was obviously not completely but to have like a character like kahaku for example i I really really like it in his case yeah i think it depends on the the character or the situation for me Mm. for the most part i like things to be you know clearly thought out and and sometimes distinct i mean there could be a bit of ambiguity but but in this case i I really don't mind it and Mm. i i think it just kind of plays into kahaku's tragedy really and and the hayase lines tragedy yeah i think even we talked about when hayase first parted ways with with fushi and how it was kind of unrequited love um that aspect Mm -hmm. and and you could also argue that this is in the same vein where fushi just doesn't feel the same way now i can't say for sure kahaku's feelings were i mean i i obviously he had romantic feelings for for him but I think it was also a little bit more in that it, it was maybe maybe even in tr- you know kind of true love like that kind of thing, but <laughs> yeah. but but could be could be platonic. Mm. Um, I don't know. It, mm. It, mm. I guess what I'm trying to say is that Fushi may have cared for him in a certain way, but maybe not romantically. Yeah, I I mean I think at least something like that. I think because uh-huh. I, I mean that they spent however long together like over a year maybe close to two i don't know exactly like all in all but you know they they definitely knew each other well and well i think kahaku's feelings for fushi were true love uh fushi's maybe weren't actually that i mean i think if it was he wouldn't have vomited you know as he did maybe right you know? <laughs> um but and also but, but but then again you know he he let Kahaku be. He could have killed Kahaku when Kahaku left. Right. But he didn't. He chose not to. So there was some, some sort of bond. They, they had some sort of bond, at least. Although he also didn't kill Hayase. So, you know, I mean. That's, that's okay, okay. That, that's actually a good point. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, there is, like, one difference there. He He didn't kill Hayase because, well, he didn't want to kill people kind of that, that yeah. that's what that whole Jananda arc has sort of been about mm-hmm. but you know he has killed people that have been infested with knockers in the past kahaku basically classifies as that yet he still didn't kill him even though he had a knocker within him so it's, it makes it i think a bit different still even though i do see the similarities as well for sure i really appreciated getting a, a, even though it was very brief Still, a little glimpse of Kahaku's childhood backstory. Yeah, that was nice. I thought that was really sweet. And, yeah, you know, basically to see the struggle that he has basically 
grown up with him, grown up with his whole life of being a male mm-hmm. inheritor of Hayase's phi, and that being a burden in in and of itself. In addition to the phi itself being a burden, as well as the knocker, so it's like, yeah, interesting stuff, and yeah, makes me feel for him even a little bit more. I think. Yeah, it was it was interesting how he was kind of bonding with the knocker in his arm yeah that was, that was, when he was younger too that was cute actually. like it was sweet <laughs> yeah but you know it's like uh, it still makes you wonder what i don't know what the feelings of the, of the knocker were mm. uh, during all that uh, we'll, we'll probably never know but uh, it, it's like maybe what it maybe it did take hayase well it definitely took hayase's words to heart and you know the kindness using kindness to get to fushi but only for a tactical thing, you know, not right. Not it was, that was obviously that was only a tactical. But mm. I mean, look, look at other stories where you have a character who has to blend in with a society that he's hated, but he ends up falling in love with that society. Mm. Uh, right. But in the end, still does it, their duty. And so I just compare that to the knockers and maybe well, at least the knocker in Kaku's arm. Maybe there was something there uh, with that. Maybe he had. Now he, it had feelings and cared cared for the Hayase lion or maybe just Kahaku. But either way, mm. it, that's something we'll never know. Or, or maybe we will. Like, I, I think that's a really interesting <sighs> speculation, actually, because we, we learned a few volumes back that knockers are driven by emotion. True. So clearly they can feel feelings to at least some sort of extent. And... While I probably choose mostly to believe that this knocker was always in it to deceive, uh-huh. would be really interesting if that wasn't the case. If it had doubts, or you know, or if they have the capability of of having doubts and and to you know mm-hmm. have thoughts of their own, that would be really interesting. If if that's something that maybe we would learn at some point. Yeah, that I agree that that would be interesting, and that would almost imply that the moment where Kahaku puts his left hand on Fushi's face was almost a a moment where the the knocker just loses control you know it just can't mm. couldn't help itself right uh, which would which would be even more tragic in that sense yeah seriously <laughs> um, but then again the knocker seemed pretty pretty anxious to get into hiding and out of there and maybe even <laughs> satisfied with the fact that it's still all those things so Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess, I guess if, if we learn something more, we, we will. But if not, then, then yeah. there probably isn't anything more to it. <laughs> uh, but yes. I, I have one more thing on Kahaku, and it's basically his death scene. Like the very moment, yeah. the last panel, I think it was, when he says, I love you, Fuji. It reminded me of two things. It reminded me, first of all, of Hayase's final moment with Fuji, you know, in the boats. Because mm-hmm. she says something, basically, I, she might even say the exact same thing. Um, at least it's very similar. And it's it's her final moments, at least in the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it really reminded me of that. And it also reminded me of Bond's words that he, um, his words to the Church of Bennett that led to him being sentenced to death. Because he said, mm. he, he sort of unexpectedly said, I love Fushi. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a, a, not not a romantic love for him, but it's what he kind of proclaimed proudly at that court or whatever and uh, in that trial. Yeah. So it reminded me of that as well. Uh, so I thought, I, to me, it was nice to sort of be reminded of both of those very different, very different scenes in that moment. 
Uh, so yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, it was such a powerful way to end it because obviously, well, Fushi had has been extending himself, sure, but mm. obviously he, he can't really hear him. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he, maybe there could be a potent, uh, possibility he could have, but the fact that just the fact that he's he says that just shows how much Fushi meant to him. Mm. You know, even to the final moments. Yeah, and. You know, I, I guess it ties back to his childhood where he was raised to feel this way, mm. but he kind of took the that duty on, on himself and did everything he could to live up to that. But over time, he truly did fall in love with Fushi. So yeah. uh, I think it was such a tragic but great way to finalize his his character. Absolutely. Um, I, hope, I hope that all made sense oh i think i, th- I, I think it does. i think it does yes and i i agree it's it's beautiful mm-hmm. it's so neatly tied together sort of right i mentioned in the last discussion how i thought he had to die right uh <laughs> with the knocker and i, I think it went back and forth because i wasn't sure how how it was going to go down um yeah. i i did mention incinerator i was completely off on that <laughs> <laughs> But at least it was some sort of uh, similar thing uh, ish. I guess. <laughs> Although not that one. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Some fac- Church of Bennett factories. I'm glad, glad that's uh, been exploded. Um, yeah. They they were getting down to some nefarious stuff, I guess. Uh huh. So yeah, I I thought I thought the scene was great. It, it did get it did get me a little emotional. Um, there was a lot of there was a lot of moments where. I, I was very emotional in in this volume. Mm, yeah. Um, from time to time. So yeah, uh, good scene and yeah, I don't think I have anything else on his death, but I do have a couple other things. In his letter, he says his clan in Yanome will help. So and I, and I wonder what that meant. Right. Um, and obviously, based on how this volume ends, mm-hmm. I say obviously, but to me, it seems that the Yanome are going to play more of a role in the story. I mean they they're, they're going to continue to play a role in the story because I feel like they always have. I don't know I don't know if, if they necessarily will play more even more of a role than they already did. Or do you think so? I think so because they it looks like based on based on the geography it look it looks like Japanese, they're very Japanese and Yanome is supposed to be kind of the similarity between that. So Right. I, I I feel that this next setting could be, I'm just guessing, but it could be Yanome. And that would and that would mean the Yanome people would play more of a more of a role just in this upcoming arc or for first few chapters. Yeah, like I, I definitely agree with you. It definitely seems like it's going to take place largely in Yanome, or at least to to start off at least, I suppose. Um, yeah. I definitely think so as well. I just don't know because I, I already feel like Hayase and Kahaku specifically, they both had a very big presence in the story, and I don't know if whatever characters we get, uh, what's her name, Mizuha, the girl on the on the final page. I don't know if she's gonna play an even bigger role than either of them did necessarily. I feel like it's might it might be on par. So I I don't I don't mean like, <laughs> I think you misunderstood me. I, mm. I I didn't I didn't mean as in you know bigger bigger uh, characters. Ah. Uh, than than Hayase and Kaku, Mm-mm. more along the lines of the Anomi country gotcha. and, and the people Mm-mm. will play a bigger role, like their culture and, and whatnot. Gotcha, gotcha. Because Mm-mm. up to this point, we've only seen bits and pieces of Yonome, and and obviously 
through Kahaku, we got to see a little bit more. Right, right. But um, anyway, that that was that was just my thinking that maybe the setting for now will be Yanome going forward. Right. Uh, but but I also wonder mm-hmm. if Kahaku was able to pass his bloodline at all, or does he mean because he mentioned Hayase uh, blood? Does he mean like distant relatives kind of a kind of situation? I don't know. Right. Part of me sort of hopes that he <laughs> impregnated a woman before he died. <laughs> uh, Poor woman. <laughs> because j- j- just because I feel like it would be cool for that line to go unbroken until the present day with Kahaku uh-huh. included as part of the line. Although at the same time, it might not. It might not be that. At at the very least, this girl on the last on the last panel definitely is a descendant of at least Hayase. I I, I would I would guess, not necessarily Kahaku, but yeah. Yeah. So 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 you think it is a Hayase descendant? Definitely a Hayase descendant. I think. I mean, I think you, I think you can see it in her eyes. I think they're very much those yeah. those sorts of eyes. I got that feeling as well. I'm hoping it it might even even also be a Kahaku descendant, but not as sure about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's all I have on Kahaku, finally. Cool, cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just going to... I've got a lot of thoughts. <laughs> no, no, it's good, it's good. Uh, I'm just going to say one one quick thing about that is that I feel like, you know, moving into the present day, uh, it's going to feel so fresh. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not like I ever disliked the previous settings or like the, the times that it was set in, but it's just going to, it's just mm-hmm. going to feel fresh and cool, I guess, <laughs> moving into like a modern era. I mean, it's pretty unique to have a story that starts off, you know, fairly uncivilized. Well, you know, fa- fairly far in the past. Right. And then goes all the way to modern day. Like, you don't really have too many stories like that. Right. Uh, really? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it'll be interesting to see how it flows, for the very least. Will it, will it be jarring to suddenly be in modern-ish times? Right. Or... <laughs> will it just feel natural I, I don't know yeah it'll be like maybe we should have saved this for predictions but we're here anyway now like yeah uh, <laughs> anyway yeah so like I'm thinking potentially like we don't know how for how long Fushi is uh, in this state that he's in at the end of this book I, I was thinking it's possible he's he remains in that state all the way until present day so he wakes up and suddenly the world is completely different and then I guess it's part of the charm, or it's part of the point that it should feel jarring, at least you know to Fushi. So, well, that's a good point. If that's the case, then I think it would work really well, probably. Yeah, because that—that's where I thought it—it it would go as well. Like he would just kind of wake up into this, you know, new reality. But mm. I didn't think about how it would be jarring for him. And you're right. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yes, moving on to Bonchin. My boy. Yes, your boy. <laughs> Man, his 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 sacrifice yeah. and quick thinking were so powerful to me. I, uh-huh. I mean, I, I definitely got a little teary eyed. Mm-hmm. Just, just his whole his whole part mm. and his willingness to sacrifice himself, putting his trust in what Fushi is and and well in in his humanity as well and just kill himself which i would not recommend anybody do <laughs> no <laughs> no no these were very special circumstances do not try this at home it's very special <laughs> circumstances. but i guess in that sense he's the ultimate gambler 
I guess so, in this story, for sure. Yeah, so far, we have... Yeah, that, that's the biggest gamble, absolutely. Or, well, yes. I, I, He's I will... gambled a few times. The other gamble being um, keeping the truth about the resurrection for Fushi. Okay, bringing yeah. In those, sure. Bringing in those through warriors. Oh, yeah. Um, Actually, yeah, yeah. You're very uh, right. That's the thing. Anyway, <laughs> I have a few others, but mm. I, won't, I won't bore you with oh. them. <laughs> But yeah, like I guess, I guess one one way that it wasn't as much of a risk for him was because he was like the only human alive that knew that if I die, I'll exist in an afterlife. Like to know that for sure, he he's like the only one who knew that. So like, even if he would mess up, he would still you know be able to hang out with like his two friends from the ghost world or whatever. <laughs> uh, no, I, I I don't mean to like make his action seem less admirable or anything because it really was terrific uh but I, I guess to him specifically the risk was slimmer than it would have been for any other character sort of um that's a you know i i really admire his uh his action there it was it was really cool and 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 he didn't know it. he would it would have the full effect that it did it was only something he suspected so yeah mm. And and it turns out that fart joke from the previous volume was uh, actually sort of to show us that Bond can smell yeah. the dead fight too. Like you're right. <laughs> so we actually we actually understand there was a reason for that. <laughs> that I really didn't expect that. I actually didn't put that together until you just said it right now. I was like, Whoa, <laughs> good point. Because like it must have been included for that reason. I feel. Yeah, it had to be. Right to it kind of build up that. <laughs> I mean, it was funny, but. I guess Bone was serious, seriously considering it because, you know, he's like, wait, if it's you guys, then this shouldn't be an issue. But if it's the water, then we have an issue. Right, right. <laughs> and anyway, I guess talking about his death, right. he has this dream where he's king and he's like, wow, how delightful. Yeah. And he just like throws off his crown and runs away. I, I love that. Oh, gosh, so funny. Yeah, that was great. That was great. And it yeah, really just very concretely shows his character journey. Because obviously oh, yeah. we, we sort of, we basically knew it already, but to see it visualized like that was really, really awesome. So to me, this implies, just going into theories, I guess, uh -huh. this implies, or lore, the Fi all have dreams that they experience when passing. We've seen previous people on, on Fushi's journey to pass away and they have a dream. Mm -hmm. And perhaps that is what is considered paradise. Right. And yeah. Bone makes the decision to leave. And we saw... March do that in a way like she kind of stepped away from her dream of being a mommy exactly and then I guess you could argue Gugu did that as well yeah. realizing that he was dead right yeah and he, he went he went back home we even like saw that whole yeah. thing and he embraced everyone as they were mourning for him right yeah I I, uh, I think about Reen and maybe she didn't want to leave her dream right and maybe her dream was to be with Gugu happily married as a family and whatnot yeah I don't know no, I think that's a really good theory or possibility. And maybe that's the same with the boy because we see him go on and see all the people in his village and then he just, just mm -hmm. moves on. Exactly. And maybe the same thing happened with Perona. For sure, yeah. Which is like, sad. Probably. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess in, in, her, in her paradise, she gets to live out March's dream of being a mother perhaps as well as whatever and, and and i guess well she also had the dream of, of protecting march and you yeah know, that was another well, and thing. her sister and, right right so you know she she she's happy in the afterlife i'm sure right and i and i think that's 
it was kind of hinted at, at as well with uh, the princess. Oh yeah, how yeah. She instead of coming back into reality, she decided to keep on living in a dream world where right maybe she wasn't simply right. too yeah yeah too bizarre. anyway exactly no you, I, it's, it's true yeah so I think so I think we understand it better why mm-hmm. some spirits leave and why some spirits stay I, I guess we don't completely understand paradise itself could five potentially leave the paradise whenever they wanted oh yeah or is there like a time limit <laughs> or is our <laughs> five because I mean, it makes it seem like five constantly like come into the world paradise so how long are they living the, their dream for for eternity maybe eternity but don't they come back as like you know other like aren't they kind of reincarnated i don't well well we don't know not like hayase's case but like they come back as a horse so they well dang it use pure pure they come back <laughs> a, as a plant or, or some some other thing like uh, their five fits the vessel that they're giving well spe- like a lot of the words that they've been using they've, they've used words like paradise and heaven and stuff like that uh-huh. and it sounds very much like a christian-esque religion true which is not about reincarnation uh, at least right. you know and so without the interference of some other force then maybe it doesn't have anything like that i think the phi the souls of the people we are born or in this world it's like i guess i i'm not too well versed in like christian mythology but mm-hmm. it's, I guess, you know, each person is born with their own unique soul. Like the soul is tied to the, to the body and like it's, it's, it's created with the person, right? You don't have a previous person's soul within you in, in those mm-hmm. beliefs. And that's sort of how, yeah. I, how I imagine this. The phi aren't recycled. It's more that you're, you're born with your new, fresh phi, unless it's something, a special case like, like Kahaku. He's like a special case. This is how I view it anyway. Right. But I don't actually know. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I think that, that totally makes sense. I, I just thought the Beholder mentioned when he first brought up Phi that they were kind of recycled. I mean, using your, using your word, recycled. Uh. But I, I could be I could be wrong. I'll, I'll have to go back and look. So I guess for the time being, we'll just say, yeah, they're just in paradise for eternity. Right. But yeah, it's definitely worth looking up because I don't, I, I, I could have missed something as well. I, I guess since we're in the discussion, you notice that Bone is still in his you know, extrav- extravagant outfit from, you know, I guess his yeah. true form. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Th- yeah. <laughs> as a five throughout the whole story mm-hmm. but for the, the volume. Right. It just gets me thinking because we see other characters in, in different. Well, we see other characters. Like we see Tonati. She's in her 50 year old five form mm. uh um gugu is uh, as he was as, as an older young adult mm. um i'm trying to think of other examples um the guy who lost his arm that was always with uh bone his fi always had an arm missing and yeah um he never got that back when he came back so <laughs> it, it, it i just i just wonder how the phi and the body thing work because mm. when Bone is brought back, he's not brought back as if he's his old self. He's brought back as the normal Bone or the no no the the <laughs> you know shaved Bone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. So and then, and then you have you have Echo. I know I'm jumping the gun here, but mm. Echo she died with short hair. And yet right. her fi had the long hair. Yeah. 
<laughs> I, so wh- what's the distinction there? I've been thinking about this too, and just because there's so many examples of sort of irregularities, I guess, I mm-hmm. I just feel like we shouldn't think too much about it. Uh, in, <laughs> in, in Bond's case, I think there's a very simple explanation, and it's because Oima decided to make it that way so that we would, would be able to tell the difference you know, when yeah. in those scenes with having both Fushi in in Bond's form and the five Bond, having those two in, interact True. would have been confusing if they looked the same way. Totally. So I think it's I I, I don't think there's anything more to it than that. I don't think. Uh, but but maybe but maybe there is. Maybe there is. <laughs> yeah, I know. You 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 probably have a point. I just I wonder what it's going to mean going forward because, or mm. well, if anything, right. For example. Tonati mentions that she has a dream of being young again. Right. And I oh, and yeah. I was wondering, okay, like, is that some, a dream that she can be fulfilled? I mean, why, why is her Fi, why can't she just be like, as Fi, I'm going to be this age, you know? Mm. I, I guess I don't know, understand how that works exactly. But then, but then she lives a long life, dies and dies even older than she was, like, uh-huh. who knows how old. Right. What is what is the shape of her five now? Is it an 80, 90 year old woman? I know it's really yeah yeah. This is something I've thought about too, ever since I read this book the first time. I'm like yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Can Fushi Fushi's bringing her back? But is she just an eighty year old woman now, or is it possible to give her a younger body or any of the them a younger body? Right. Uh, actually, something that the Beholder was narrating at one part in the story was that. Fushi's kind of realized in the last moments of the battle that, or he sort of learned, I guess, that he can create every any, anything just the way he wants it to or something like that. How, hmm. However, I can't remember how it was expressed exactly. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Okay. So here it is. Uh, Fushi made what Fushi wanted to see. It was an ability he came upon amidst a crisis. It was a blessing that he realized it now, nearly too late. Honestly, I was I was confused about that a little bit. I was I was a little <laughs> bit too, uh, but it's some somehow the narrator points out the the idea I think that Fuji improves his creation ability even further, and he like maybe he can create things not identically to how they were when he got the stimulus from them, but maybe variants on that perhaps right is what i sort of got from that and obviously it's not related to people in this instance here at all but since we were talking about like tonari for example maybe with this twist on this ability maybe he will be able to create the people he knew in whichever age that he wants perhaps which would be so great yeah oh my gosh (laughs) I, i honestly if that happens or like if there's even a hint of that I'm going to be like, Tonati ship, let's go! Right, yes. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, I'm really hopeful for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think, going back to that point you were making, he heals the bodies that he brings back to life. Like They, have, they don't have their previous injuries anymore. Yes. Uh, so... I, I think that's, that, that's maybe a small step in... That could be a small step in that direction. Right. Uh, where he's able to change the body and, and not just make it completely whole and healthy, but 
younger or a different age. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, he, he did that even the first time that he revived that girl that he didn't even know he revived. Because she was like... That's true, he did, you're uh, right. Lethally ill. But when she woke up in the new body, she didn't have that illness anymore. That's a good point. So I guess th- I guess that's something he just does sort of without thinking about it, I, I guess. Which is interesting because all of the person, the vessels he transforms into uh, all have their death wounds and then he just heals them. Right, right, yeah. It's interesting. Definitely. Anyway, <laughs> did, again, didn't mean to... Well, I mean, I did want to talk about all that, but uh, <laughs> poor Bone kind of got side uh, sidelined there for a sec. All right, uh, come back in, it's Bone. Fine. Yes, come yes. back in. Well, welcome back into the into the couch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one, well, one day this podcast will, will be a talk show on TV, and we'll have all these characters come <laughs> sit down with us. <laughs> well, that'd be a trip. Yeah. <laughs> it would. <laughs> um, oh yeah. Um, Bond was very clear to Fushi while he was in five form after Fushi got his body. He was very clear uh, and said that he want, he didn't want to be revived until after Fushi had regained all of the previous vessels or all, or all of the all of the other vessels, the ones that he was still missing. Uh, mm-hmm. So I thought that was, I guess, admirable, although also a little bit unnecessary in a way because those specific vessels that Fushi still hadn't reclaimed, they weren't any of the people who existed as Phi on Earth. So his ability that he has by having Bond's body wouldn't have been necessary to, to get those bodies back anyway. Yeah. The only reason, or the only way for him to get those back was to kill the knocker in Kahaku and no other way. Well, and I also think the situation he was in, just sitting there and expanding himself, he wouldn't even be looking around, per se. You know what I mean? Right. Um, true, true. <laughs> so, so yeah, I do see what you, what you mean. It maybe wasn't as important at the time. However, because he didn't have the boy vessel, you know, his vessel that he, seemed, he feels like is himself, mm. he had no other vessel to be really while all this was happening. I guess he could have changed to Sheen or Olroy or whatever his name is. Right. Um, I, I guess that's a possibility. So there's that. But, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, I'll give you that. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, oh, well, it's like, it was a nice gesture. Yeah, yeah it was. It in was. The end, in the end, Bone did get his body back. And, and, and hey, look, maybe he was keeping Echo company. Um, right. Because there was no other... There, <laughs> There was no other uh, Phi around at the time. Actually, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of like that, actually. <laughs> yeah. I just pulled that out of my butt. <laughs> hey, I mean, that's uh, where the best stuff comes from sometimes. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, but, yeah, glad Bond got to live a good and long life in the end, you know, with Iris and with Chabo. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I love Bone's family so much. Yeah, I know, right? The, the siblings, the parents, they just... Uh, and, like, it's not just so the great. family, like, his original family. It's also, like, the family he created with Iris and Chabo also. And, like, yeah. and they got, like, a grandchild uh, too. Like, that's also really sweet. So nice to, to see that little little scene. Yeah. 
I wanted a little more from Iris and Bone, to be honest. Like, yeah. Not like, not like a romantic scene per se, but more character development. See them grow, their relationship grow. Yeah. Um, but that would be in a perfect world where everyone gets the <laughs> the right amount of character growth. <laughs> but obviously, Iris was more of a side character, and she had her moment. Right. Right. Et cetera. Et cetera. Mm. Um, and in the end of the day, they they live. They lived their lives together, so that was great. Yeah, his fate might be the most happy one yet, even though I guess he true. he did technically die before that happened. But still, uh-huh. he did get to live a long, happy life. You're right. And very very few others did. I guess you know Tornari got to grow old, but she, I I get the feeling she didn't have quite a like her life wasn't quite as happy as Bonds was. I just get the feeling of that. I don't know for sure, though. I, I actually share your same feelings in that, obviously, she was very distraught and, and almost... Nah, disturbed's not the right word, but she didn't like the fact that she had to be separated from Fushi. Yeah, like she she, she said herself, she felt the same exact way as March did. So if that's the, yeah. any, any sign to, <laughs> to how she was feeling. Yeah. And not to say Bone didn't love Fushi, but I think his... Maybe his outlook on the whole thing was just a little is a little different. Right. In that he knew he was passing away. Uh, or or excuse me, let me back up. Mm. He knew that passing away wasn't the end. And he knew and, and they, right. they March and Tonati know this, but I guess in Bone's perspective, he trusted Fushi so much that he knew he'd be back or he knew that Right. Just life wasn't over. I don't know. I guess he had more more peace within himself than maybe the other two did. Yeah. And I, I don't know. It's hard it's hard to say. And I think you're really right too about the fact that Bon really trusted Fushi. That's all th- that I think that's something Bon always really did. Uh you know, even, you know, mm-hmm. in the preparations and during the battle in Renriel, like first during the during the preparations, Fushi was really sort of out well, over- overworking himself. And it was, it looked like he was, like, about to, like, get burnt out, like, hardcore. Uh-huh. But Fushi said, like, his, everything he said was that, no, it's fine, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm fine. And Bond trusted that. He trusted Fushi's words, yeah. even though they seemed, and probably were, not quite right. But he, still, <laughs> but he still, but he, but his trust was still in Fushi. Uh, so I think, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's just something that's very always been very strong with with Bond. Indeed. Hmm. It, it, you know what's what's interesting, kind of tying the bow on on Bond's story here, is that hmm. to start this arc, Fushi was encouraged to find friends. Uh, I guess Tonari, before she passed away, would you know recommended he do that. Yeah. And so he went out to find friends. And finding Bone or Bone finding him yeah. turned out to turned out to be the very thing he needed in order to find the allies and and the the teams that he that he needed the friends that he needed mm. uh, and not not just because Bone and Kahaku were you know good friends I guess but it, it was because he was able to learn that he has this ability to bring people back to life. And, um, you know, I guess see the Phi and, and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just, I I guess for Bone, it was 
uh, his role in the story was to bring Fushi eternal friends. Yeah, yeah. That he kind of always had, but <laughs> didn't know. Right, like he now. he helped Fushi refine them, if that's a word. Refined, I don't know, but you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. That that is beautiful. Indeed. Anything more on Bon? I think that's all I have on him. All right, then let's talk a little bit about Echo next. She, as you mentioned earlier, she was the only one who was able to locate Fushi. Um, even yeah. even Bon couldn't, and you know Bon is known for quote unquote seeing everything. Even he couldn't find Fushi, but but Echo did, and yeah, yeah. Probably sort sort of comes down to her, you know, being of the people that she's from. Which I, you know, I as as we've probably both said before, I'd still love to see or learn more about yeah. about them. Gosh, like what exactly are the extents of their abilities? But, but yeah, yeah, j- just nice to see her being, as we've said, also like a daughter figure of sorts to Fushi. So mm-hmm. it, it's it's nice for her to be the one to be able to find him or to locate him in that in that scene. Yeah, I I wondered if it was. If it was her earthenware people powers, like it's similar to the, how she found the issue in the sewers, or was it the knocker in her arm? Uh, oh. Um, but I I like the earthenware thing better, so I'm hoping yeah. it's the earthenware. Yes, me too. You know? <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. But it could, but it could have been the knocker. Um, why the knocker didn't attack? Maybe she was able to control it. Um, right. But I guess it was also trying to hide. So, eh. mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was really sad, kind of the reveal, seeing that she had the knocker and she was about to jump off the tower. Like, oh gosh, that was so sad to see oh, her man, of all people. I, like, oh. really, like she's like the most innocent character in this whole story, and like, ah, I was really upset to be honest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, like I don't have too much on her other than obviously I've. You know, I felt so sorry for her. It's so unfair for her to have that knocker in her arm. Like, why? <laughs> I know. I don't know. Mm. And even though she was freed from the knocker, she still ended up dying from the injuries that it had caused her. So, yeah, that was also pretty rough. So this is this is where I was really upset. Just her dying, mm. and just you know, kind of non not not nonchalantly, but abruptly, right, right. like that. Uh-huh. Yeah, like we didn't even get to see it or anything. Right, and it reminded me of Perona, to be honest. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just how she died. Uh, well, or even Reen, you know, how she died. Mm, mm. Um, True. I, I just, for Echo, I wasn't ready for her to pass. I really thought that she would play, she would be with Fushi longer. Yeah. Um, You know, maybe even grow up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it's, I, I don't know, like it. From for story purposes, I you know it, it it was a it was a cool twist, but me emotionally, <laughs> oh gosh, it, I was a little upset. Yeah, not gonna lie. Well, I'm not as much. I'm not as upset as I was when I first read it, it because of where the story is going now. You know that that huge time jump. Yeah. You know, obviously Echo wouldn't be alive now. Mm. <laughs> so, it, it it it's it doesn't hurt as much. But still, I I was I was hoping or almost expecting her to make it. Yeah, <sighs> yeah, I know. I I I had honestly forgotten that she died this way. So I was reminded of that just earlier today. 
Big oof. Big oof. Truly. But then again, you know, like as I said earlier, like at the beginning of this discussion, I think, this volume is just so bittersweet in the sense that everybody dies, which is very sad. <laughs> you know, a lot of them die in very dark or just sad, sad ways. Mm-hmm. But, but there is also that knowledge now that Fushi can bring all of these people back. And I'm sure he will. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. So while it is awfully tragic, there is that sort of hope that they can come back and when they do, hopefully they'll be able to lead happy lives, long lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, that's the hope, at least. <laughs> that, that is the hope, you know, Echo included. And oh, of I'm, I'm glad she's willing to wait. You know, she seems very, like, I don't know, I don't know what her paradise looked like, but I guess she was like, nope. Yeah. Just hopped out and <laughs> and uh, returned to Fushi. Yeah. Returned to spring roll. Right. Yes. Um. <laughs> yeah, that was also really nice. She started eating spring rolls in like a f- while she was in five form. <laughs> yeah. So I, I hope we get more of her in the future. I really do. And her people. Like, oh, yeah. Like, I need, I need to know. I'm I, sure. Like, I, I feel very confident that she will come back at the very least. I'm just not particularly sure that we'll see her people like i'm i'm growing more and more unsure of that yeah. <laughs> i'm right there I, like before this chapter i really thought there would have been an arc almost about the earthenware people oh that would have been cool now <laughs> now i'm i'm thinking that this was just a interesting pl- plot idea mm. uh, and it may never be explained <laughs> right <laughs> maybe and it would it would be terrible Obviously, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be bad for the story. wouldn't ruin it at all. It's just, mm. it's an interesting point that I would like ex- expounded upon and would bring even more character development, I think, to Echo. But Right. Although anyway. we, uh, yeah, like, I, I agree with you. I, I do think, like, get, learning more about the backstory of her will add a lot to her character. But at the same time, since she is pretty young, still, uh, very young, I, I mean, how old is she, like, nine I don't know. Uh, Something like that. Yeah, right. I feel like she's taller than March, so yeah. Right, but uh, you know, being so young, I, f- I think most of her interesting parts, most of her character development, can come from her now. You know, or her future. I mean, that's true too. Um, mm-hmm. That's true too. So yeah, but but yeah, regardless, uh, can't wait to see her again. Like I said earlier, I I like things being explained and there's a purpose for things. I, I, I like mm. when writers have that thought out, whether at, at this time or eventually. Right. But, uh, that, you know, I, I don't, if the author feels that she doesn't want to go that route, that's, that's fine. It's that, <laughs> that's one thing that doesn't necessarily change the way, the, how I feel about the story. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I totally, totally gotcha. Uh, anything more on Echo? No, that's it. All right, then there isn't a lot left, but a little bit on Messar and sort of, I guess, characters surrounding him. I guess we can touch on the warrior trio and stuff like sure. that. But his big brother, the Prince Prince Anno, returned from the expedition like <laughs> right as the battle was ending. I totally forgot about him. <laughs> like, wait, that, oh yeah, that was a thing, wasn't it? That was a thing. And I mean, he was the reason why they got this 10 day time limit, which 
which as we talked earlier, may may or may not have been sort of a f- factor in killing March. Well, right. I mean, totally. I guess I do understand him being upset or him being emotional when returning to the news that his dad and his sister are dead. Obviously, I understand him being Mm -hmm. upset at that. But still, he was very uncool. Like, incredibly uncool in how he treated the other characters. You know, even even his brother or his Mm half-brother. You know how I took it? Hmm? I took it as another act. Just that... I don't know why he felt like he needed to act like that, but his true intentions were to get them safe from the Church of Bennett. Well, um, I, 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 I sort of had a similar thought. I, I, I can see what you mean. I, I disagree with it, though, but go on. Sorry. Well, just that he wanted, he would, he would be willing to protect them. And at least that's what I got. And so in order to, um, I guess, make sure they leave, he had to, pretend like he was a harsh person mm-hmm. given that 10 days so that that's how i took it right uh, i mean when i first read it or when i first saw it before the whole bennett part i was like yeah I was like, wow what a jerk but then he brought up that and i don't know may, may, there could be some conflicting feelings there and i think for sure he is distraught about the death of his uh father and and sister mm-hmm. and so he must. He there. There must have been frustration there as well. But right. I also think there was method to his anger, and um, in truth, he was trying to get them safe and away from the Church of Bennett. Right. And and also keep his people safe. Mm. Right. Yeah. Because I, I, I definitely that thought crossed my mind too. Because he did. He made a comment to one of the other people. I think you know something that made it feel yeah. like. It was an act, or or that it at least potentially could have been. Uh-huh. But even then, I feel like he would have, or I would have respected him more if he hadn't gone through with all of that, and if he instead would have, well, stood up for the for these heroes. Oh, and sure, protected yeah. them and and put effort into keeping themselves himself instead of letting them take care of themselves. Uh, I I would have respected him much more if he had gone that route instead. Yeah, I I would respect him more as well, mm. totally. Um, but I I just under, I just I, I feel like I understand that there was ulterior motives, like a well, mm. an underlining meaning behind behind that, uh, yeah. versus just being a jerk. Fair, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. No, I I definitely see that too. Yeah, and I guess that whole thing sort of led to a uh, I thought a, a very sweet moment between the warrior trio. Uh, yeah. You know when them they, they you know. They kind of realized that, yeah, yeah, we're we're friends. <laughs> like, it was kind of corny, but it was. I thought it was pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah, you gotta have your bros. Yeah, you hear me, bro? <laughs> yep, bruh. <laughs> so yeah, nice, nice scene. Anything more on Messar or any character related to him? No, not related to him. No. No. Um, the only other character I got anything on is Cam, and it's not that much, but well. He had, he had a little bit of an up up, up and down <laughs> journey throughout this volume and you know he he thought the girl he liked was dating this Miguel person turns out that that guy was dating her mother so that was good that was nice and yeah yeah things worked out for him but yeah 
When simping goes very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, the whole misunderstanding with the mom's boyfriend, Miguel, it was really funny. Yeah. <laughs> now, obviously done on purpose. And and so so when you see Miguel for the first time, it's like, wow, he looks really old. Am I wrong in thinking that? Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. Uh, and, and so that so when the reveal happened, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Right. <laughs> that makes sense. I did think it was a little, the wording was a little odd. Um, but I'll be honest, I, I didn't put it together that it was her boyfriend per se. Yeah, uh, yeah. Her mom's boyfriend. Exactly. I didn't put that together either. But something felt off at the same time. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm. um, but, although I will say if things didn't work out with Uis or however you pronounce her name. Yeah. Uis. Y- yeah. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure Seta would have been more than happy. Yeah. To take her place i sort of got that feeling too (laughs) (laughs) yeah i hope sarah found someone good for her yeah i did i'm sure she did she's a she seems like a very capable woman and Mm -hmm. speaking of sarah uh, she's speaking to miguel she's like do you think we could protect them and and then uh, next page like arrows in the back oh yeah yeah (laughs) this is a good fake out i was like well not if you're dead (laughs) Yeah, man. Yeah, th- uh, there was so many, like, so much brutality and darkness and sadness in yeah. this book. Like, it's so true. It it really was, but at the same at the same time, as we said, like, as, as this is like the third time I'm saying it, but just the fact that Fushi learned the the the, the you know that he can bring people back. It sort of it didn't completely make up for it for all of the sadness and darkness and brutality. But it mm-hmm. still brought some kind of hope to it, which, yeah, I, it makes me really love this volume a lot. Um, you know, surprisingly, I was less okay with the deaths happening than I thought I'd be when Fushi finds out he can resurrect people. Mm-hmm. I think it's because Fushi is still still has like his humanity, you know, like he he still doesn't just want to kill people willy nilly. It's like, hey, you're healed now, go, you know, right. Um, that, that kind of situation. Um, so when that, when that death happened, I, I mean, I, again, I think it was a good fake out, but I was also kind of like, oh crap, no. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't want that to happen. Right. Um, so like, like, like death still have weight. Oh yeah. Uh, at least, at least it it felt like in this volume, obviously we had like Kahaku die and won't be coming back. Probably. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so there, there, that death did have its toll, but um, anyway, it's just I I expected to once we once Fushi found the truth that that almost death would not be a big deal anymore. But we got so many so many deaths at the end of this chapter, whether old age or euthanasia. Right. Yeah. Um, and it was just like, oh man, this is heavy. <laughs> right. Yeah. It really is, and like it's not just the fact that. Like, like in in the case of of Echo, like Fushi, Fushi didn't just want to kill her and revive her in order to heal her. Like, yeah, uh, I, I respected that. While it was, you know, and it ended up being very sad. I definitely respected that. And and as you said, it uh, makes it makes the other deaths also feel well more impactful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and also the fact that he 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 made this statement that he would bring his friends back or he would let them live in a world after he has killed all the knockers. So while I don't know if he'll, he'll stick to that entirely, at least I feel like it's something that's 
at least partially going to be relevant still. Like, yeah, he's not. He's probably not going to bring everyone back in the, like a whole like a big big old party. You know, uh, it's going to be there's going to be reason for people coming back, and and yeah, the deaths do still hold weight very much. So, I mean, everything that we have read up to now, I knew since we started this podcast in the very beginning. I still cried my heart out when March died and when Gugu died, you know. Yeah. So even though I knew that yeah. they would come back in Volume Twelve, <laughs> or or March came back <laughs> a, a little earlier than that, but you know, I still even you know th- those deaths were still so incredibly impactful and still are. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it, it's just ha- dealt with so nicely or and so so well that yeah, it yeah, it's just so good. <laughs> Indeed. I agree. So what other characters do we got? I got a little bit on the knockers. Not much, but a little. I do as well. Okay, then move. let's move there. The only the, the, the one thing I got there is that <laughs> it spoke. Yeah, yeah. To Echo. Like, it, it made a face in her arm, and it spoke to her. <gasps> like, oh, whoa, that, that was so creepy. <laughs> Super creepy. Oh, one of, uh, like one of the creepiest things in this manga, hands down. Yes, yes. It's so, oh my gosh, <laughs> and 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 the fact that I'm pretty. Correct me if I'm wrong, but did it have pupils? Like, because the previous like faces the knocker make are one not this smooth and 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 skin like like usually looks like vines, but also the eyes. Are, are just like white like they don't have like a like a, a actual like pupil or anything like that. right no it, it, but I think it that... did yeah yeah it, it, it yeah it did right just like like the boy's face like yeah and and and, and again uh, later on when uh when kahaku faces this knocker uh what like you need what when it's still in echo's arm and it creates uh-huh. all of those or maybe maybe not all of those people but at least i think when it creates the first form when it creates the boy yeah he still has pup- pupils there uh, even yeah. then, so yeah, the knockers definitely have evolved or, or improved. Well, I wonder, like, so what is going on? Because we see other knockers that had, well, at least we see Perona knocker. She still looks like a plant, right? Yeah, yeah, like like creature. So what about this one that had all of these fushi forms? Is different. Exactly. And so, so I was I, I was wondering, and the thought came. What if it's because it's connected to Echo? Maybe that has something to do with the earthenware. And some of my theories in the in the past, how the earthenware people may have been created somehow through like <laughs> a similar substance that is the knockers, um, right. and, or, or, or that could be um, in itself like the beholder's body. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't know. It, it's hard to say because. Like you said, we this is the first time the knockers have spoke spoke, and yet they were inside Kahaku's arm this entire time. Sure, it was able to write, but it didn't form a face. It didn't form anything. Right. Yeah. Now that could be because it didn't have any. It didn't take any forms. I just right realized. Oh, you it didn't have any forms. So right. Maybe that's why. But could it when it had all these forms and it went into Kahaku's body, would it have been able to do that again? Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. That's the question. So, yeah, I I really like your idea that it might be related to Echo specifically and like her people. Uh huh. I definitely hadn't considered that. 
but it also could just be the fact that it's well either the fact that it's been connected to people in general for so so long maybe um hmm. or or just that it's connected to to, to, to anyone uh but but well, we 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 do know that Echo obviously comes from a s- special people, so that that could, yeah. w- w- with some sort of connection to the Knockers, as we know, like they communicate in the same sort of way. So yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, I'm not I'm not 100 sold on the theory. I think it would it would it would it would bring her people into the story a little better, but mm. uh, we do know that Kahaku was able to extend his, his limb. His, his left arm in a way because of the because of the knocker so uh, I guess the stretchability and, and all that was possible even with Kahaku not just Echo so there's that mm. and maybe just because they didn't have a form to take God, I just it's just interesting that knockers in general can only really control plant like or I guess even rock-like things. The mm. flesh is something that they struggle with. Right. And yet here we have a knocker that was able to create some fleshy things. Right, yeah. At least it definitely looked like it. So, yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Hopefully something we'll learn more about. Because I was also th- also thinking about that related to the knockers, that Kahaku's knocker was the only knocker left in the area that fuji had covered you know when he sent mm-hmm. when he was like sensing for knockers at the end of the battle the only one that was left was the one in kahaku's uh well face at that at that point uh, yeah and i guess it's unclear if that was the last knocker in the world probably wasn't uh, I th- yeah i i think i agree with that but but still like it's a little bit unclear there's probably still knockers, or there must, there must, yeah, there must still be knockers around. Uh, once that escaped outside of Fushi's area, one uh, uh, thing started looking dire for them. That's the thing. I mean, eventually, they won't be able to escape, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. If Fushi keeps on spreading the way he has started to, then yeah, yeah. Eventually, there will be no place to run. So then, where do where do the where do they go? Like. Are they just gone from the story, or Knocker is gone? Is there going to be a new antagonist? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Are, are they going to take <laughs> a new form? I wonder. How how can they have a new tactic? Like, unless unless somehow, like you that you maybe or you mentioned a little bit earlier, that they evolved and they're able to control human flesh somehow, or just flesh in general. Right. Hmm. Maybe there's something to that. And maybe they somehow are able to merge with the population unnoticed by Fushi. Mm. But then how is that any different from them just coming and getting a body, you know, without doing this whole knocker thing? Yeah, I don't know, man. I I, I, I do not know. I mean, so far they have come up with some unexpected tactics that we hadn't really foreseen. So there might still True. be things that we True. can't really come up with that. You're right. That's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But, but I, I mean, I don't know. The sky. They're gonna live in the sky. <laughs> I mean, I I would feel like by the time that the the story reaches the modern age, which I guess presumably will be when Fushi, or not necessarily, but at least what I speculated on earlier, might be when Fushi wakes up from this, from this uh, slumber, I guess you could call it. 
um, uh-huh. that he wakes up in the in the in the modern age, and at that point he has covered the entire world, and with with roots at the very least. He might not have made every part of the world his, but at the very least he might have spread roots across the entire globe at that point in time, perhaps. Yeah. Then, yeah, he's gonna be able to hunt down those knockers pretty easily, supposedly. So I don't know. Big question mark. Man, yeah, like that's what's so interesting about this uh this arc shift here is like it's such a big shift like we don't know there's so much we don't know so true. it's hard it's hard to speculate but it's uh yeah <laughs> it's very exciting it's fun and i've been wondering about these things for over a year <laughs> <laughs> you poor soul tonight i will find out soon your a pain will be pe- yeah <laughs> a little bit <laughs> Your pain is almost over. <laughs> it almost is. Uh, anything more on the knockers, though? No, not on the knocker. All right. Any other characters? Yeah. Um, Beholder, actually. All right. Um, first off, he comes in. He's like, did something bad happen? I'm just like, bruh. <laughs> yeah. Bruh. Pay attention. I know. Or like, look, I understand that this is all like somewhat meaningless to an eternal being like you. <laughs> But have us some compassion, man. Like, come on. It's like, did something bad happen? Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so rude. <laughs> I, I mean, I, in the end, I guess he does give them the idea um, that mm. Fushi can be brought back somehow. And obviously he's right. not, obviously he's showing that he's not worried. Like, this Like this isn't a problem. Although it, it seemed like very much a problem. Yeah. Um, I guess... <laughs> Maybe he was kind of hoping that this would happen, and he felt like this would be a great push for Fushi to grow even more. It's like, I got stabbed by a sword, so does Bone. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We're even. But it wasn't me! (laughs) It's only fair. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's a dick, as always. (laughs) You know, but... uh, yeah. But actually, I hadn't really taken any notes for the Beholder, but speaking of him, I was reminded of the scene later on when he appeared and kind of paused the time. Yeah. When I feel like that was a moment when there was a, an unusual amount of understanding between him and Fushi, mm-hmm. which we haven't really seen a whole lot of. You know, I feel like you know, there's always been a tension between them, and Fushi hasn't always been on the same page as him and he hasn't really usually been agreeing with him but he came in there paused the time for fushi's sake and and yeah i feel like fushi appreciated that and they yeah they understood each other in that in that scene right i think you know as the story goes forward and fushi expands his powers Mm. i i think he'll come to understand the beholder much more right and maybe he'll grow to surpass him in a way where he's able to to keep his humanity and his compassion mm. where the Beholder maybe wasn't quite able to do so. Or maybe the Beholder is hiding all these feelings mm. for whatever reason. Um, either way, I think we're maybe we're starting to see, like you said, more understanding between those two. Definitely. And I, I think it, it's fun to see. Obviously, it's a very supernatural, fantastical thing you know both of these characters mm-hmm. are incredibly unnatural but it is really fun how like back in the jinanda arc for example when he when fushi was talking about the, the beholder with tonari 
And at that point, mm -hmm. I think at that point in Fuji's life, the beholder made a comment saying that he's about mentally, he's about at uh, a fourteen-year-old. Uh, he's at that age, right? You know, rebellious. Exactly, you know? precisely, which makes perfect sense in that. With you know, with that in mind, he he really did not like his quote-unquote father, and yeah, yeah, it was just you know, it was rough. But now, obviously, he's probably uh, we we don't know for a fact how old he is mentally right now, but surely much older than fourteen. And so, for him to start to come to grips and and to understand his his parents better makes yeah, it it only makes sense. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's fun to see that progression. Speaking of stopping time, I I mm. think that just implies that Fushi would be able to do that in some point, right? Mm. For sure, for sure. If everything goes according to plan, and I, I and I wondered, you know, well, well, now that we understand more of why the Beholder has these kind of powers, uh, because it's his it's his his body in general, he stops time. I guess he just stops his body. He stops everything from moving. Mm. Maybe or, I mean, if it's a similar thing to what Fushi's doing, so could Fushi eventually be able to do that? Just kind of stop everything that's his body, his world, just from moving. Right. I mean, I, I feel, I, I think definitely. I think, I, I think as I said, I think probably, I think I've said this at some point that everything the Beholder can do now, Fushi can, Fushi will be able to do it at some point as well. Yeah. Like, I, I still feel very strongly about that. Every single thing, I think. It's just, it's just going to take, I, take time. I, I just, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I just wonder if, yeah, I just wonder how those could play. Mm -hmm. But interestingly enough, the, the Phi are still able to move though even though they stop time oh yeah that's right that's right bone and and uh echo are moving oh yeah um and hearing what the beholder is saying right so that so that tells you that obviously his control beholder's control does not go all the way to the phi the phi are their own separate beings yes so yeah it's just uh i don't know just interesting to to just to see that and maybe there's just more lore rather than story, but anyway, just mm. thought I'd point that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. He he can control, I guess, the material world. Yeah. But not, but not nothing beyond that. Right. And so I do wonder what his what his role is per se with the fire. Like, is he the one bringing it? Like, is his role just to provide these bodies for the fire um, in general, or is there something? something we're missing i'm not i'm not tight as sure mm, but mm. and is he working is there someone else he's working with like exactly who's creating the five right oh yeah and yeah right when we were talking about like i feel like it's been a long time since we talked about this but like i feel like back in the early volume discussions about uh in the series we talked a lot about the potential existence of other beings similar to the beholder or like on that uh -huh. power level or whatever yeah we haven't really talked about that much lately but I guess the possibility of that still exists just as much. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's someone that's higher than than the beholder mm. or if it's someone who's equal. Right, right. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because lately we haven't really gotten much clues to really support those sorts of theories, but but we also haven't gotten anything to say that or, or like to, to disprove it either. So Right. Very well. But uh, my crackpot theory for this podcast, I know I've had a few, but here's here's my really big crack, crackpot theory mm -hmm. uh, that I really don't like as much as my previous one for The Beholder, where, you know, 
Fushi's just, you know, beca- replaces the beholder, right. you know, uh-huh. that kind of situation. Um, but my crackpot theory is, what if beholder is Fushi? And that this is, a, oh. this is kind of a time paradox kind of a thing. Oh. And so Fushi created himself and started his life. And so there's no there's no beginning, but there's no end. And so it's just like this complete circular Ooh. round kind of a thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's definitely a, a hard for us mortal beings to understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, actually, I will say, and I, I had sort of forgotten about it, but you reminded me of it now. And I'm not just saying this. I'm actually, this is actually true. Sure. Uh, I actually sort of had similar thoughts back when I read ah. this book, like back like a year ago, uh, that I hadn't. But like, I definitely like I would you you reminded me of that. I also had that sort of speculation, or, or I guess just curiosity, that what 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 if that's yeah. the case? And obviously, it would be wacky. It would be you know super. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it yeah, and in, really interesting though. And because because I I think even back then like I tried to look like at the beholder's face I tried to see like is it reminiscent in some in some sense of the boy's face like although that doesn't even necessarily have to be the case obviously Fushi right he 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 can he's a shapeshifter obviously so um, I guess it's, <laughs> it's completely irrelevant really to look at it that way uh, yeah it really I mean it could be could be <laughs> I think the biggest issue with this is he seems to be surprised by some things. At least he uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. says he's surprised. Mm. And, and I don't know. I don't know. Like he, you know, he'll tell Fushi he has to do something, but Fushi's like, I'm gonna make this choice. He's like, okay, that's that works too. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, it's if if it were to be the same person, I would I would think that what Fushi experiences was different is, is different than the Beholder in 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 some cases yeah that could be interesting time time stuff it's like yeah it's like his life is on loop but the circumstances around his life is not oh or something like that that'd be interesting <laughs> it's like it's like, like like a phoenix bird kind of uh-huh mm-hmm. sort of <laughs> Although except he's not. able to mentor himself exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no it'd be interesting i think i still like i like the idea better of like there's like a infinite amount of the maybe or maybe not infinite amount but beholder creates creates fushi and then fushi creates his own world and mm-hmm. fushi creates his own fushi and then etc cetera, etc cetera. and it's not necessarily the same person right i like that theory more mm. but i think this could work as well yeah right right absolutely it's, or it would be interesting absolutely totally it, it's worth keeping in mind and it's a lot of fun to think about for sure yeah so any other characters so where where was Poco at the at the end of the story? We saw she was there to embrace Bone when he came back, but when he died, she was not there. And so I wonder if she actually made it to Yanome. Exactly, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's my headcanon. So maybe we'll get a Poco 2.0 um, in this next arc. <laughs> hey, yeah, dude, totally. Uh that would be that would be great. I I'd be I I'd love that. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I I honestly I guess the other stuffs are just kind of little things like the anti Fushi faction. Are are they going to be a thing going forward? Mm-hmm. Um, Mizuha, what what's up with the feather? Does that mean anything? Exactly. Yeah, that's also something. Like, is it Ligard's feather? 
I I was so I I was like I'm hoping like maybe you would uh, be like ah oh, actually oh. It, it, it represents this character. Oh, I wish I wish I could have come up with something smart there, but no, <laughs> <laughs> not this time. <laughs> anyway, that I think that's all I got. I sorry to get so detailed, but it's all good. It's all good. If I may say, I think this volume just provided so much food for thought. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, and it, to date, it's probably the biggest volume in terms of just uh, maybe not reveals, but impactful moments like mm. don't get me wrong volume three and four were great and i love it but <laughs> they they were kind of like that story was kind of a a, a tragic r- romantic story within this overarching story Def- oh absolutely definitely it's really just like a p- part of it, a small part of it yeah right and this volume was more of a culmination of everything we had experienced throughout the main story mm-hmm. um, truly and that's why I think this volume for me may, it's close to being my favorite close it, only close I I don't know like because because <laughs> I really love Google the Google volume I don't but I don't know if I get like three or four better so uh. maybe I would put this number one yeah. Mm, I have to think about it, but I mean, it's, it's really good. It, it's, it's, it, it really does a terrific job at, at really like tying the whole story so far together really neatly. Uh, yeah. While, while, while still leaving, you know, I mean, as I said, this is the fourth time I'm saying it. It's a bittersweet feeling. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, but it really does. It's like, it's, yeah, it, I and agree. it does it so perfectly too. It's, yeah, it, it's, it's great. I love this volume too. Part of the reason I love it is because of the bittersweetness. Right. Good. <laughs> Same. So I, I guess we really have sprinkled a lot of our predictions and stuff throughout the discussion, which is perfectly fine. <laughs> but if there is anything left that we haven't mentioned, anything that you'd like to speculate on or, or mention that you might, well, any prediction, predictions or anything like that, uh, feel free to do it now. I don't. Um... I, I, I'm sorry. I, mm. I thought we had already moved on to predictions. I mean, cool. Awesome. Then, <laughs> then we're done with that too. <laughs> so yes, as far as recordings go, this is much longer than we usually go. Uh, not sure how, how it's going to turn out in editing, but I had a lot of fun talking about this volume. It is a very special volume. Indeed. Being like the final volume of this, uh, I, I think it as has, it's like part Part one of the manga is sort of referred to. The, these first twelve volumes are sort of referred oh, to that. Wow. It says, uh, like, after the the page with the with the girl, like in present day, uh, mm-hmm. Mizuha. Mizuha. When I when I flip the page in the physical book, it says, uh, next volume preview. One world ends, another begins. What will Fuji encounter there? Part two, the modern arc begins. Oh. indicating that everything up to this point has been part one. <laughs> wow. Our stage moves to the modern world in volume 13, coming soon. So yeah, we're, we're moving into part two. And obviously, I, we, we've talked about the anime and how I, even before the anime started, I, I was pretty sure it would end basically where book six ended, which I was, was, was right about. And uh-huh. I think it's pretty safe to say that season two will end with well, basically the same way this book ended, just covering the next twelve, or sorry, the next six books as well as the first season did. Yeah. At least if it's if it's going to be the same length, you know, uh, episode wise, it really should cover the these 
six books, seven to twelve. I agree. Because it's just such a such a co- like a coherent story told in those right six it, books. It'd be really hard to end it um, just halfway. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I'm I'm really hoping season two will do that. Maybe in another twenty episodes. So I mean, it doesn't need to be twenty episodes. It could be like eighteen. I'm sure they could fit it into that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I I I just want to say that mm. I find it funny that. Oima brings it into the modern day. I think it's unique for the story, but it's also funny that considering she wrote um, A Silent Voice, mm-hmm. it's just, she. I guess she just can't help it bring you back into a <laughs> Japanese high school. It's yeah, just, it, right. It's, it's, it's too much too much familiar ground for her. She's like, I got to do it. I, I don't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's pretty funny. No, I, I'm sure it'd be great. I'm sure it'd be great. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure too. Like, yeah, like there, really, there, hasn't, there hasn't been a single like bad volume out of these first 12 and i'm just excited for you know a change of scenery and 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 well change of age time age and and just yeah seeing fuji interact with this new world and perhaps seeing his friends getting brought back into this new world as well uh should be a lot of fun i want to see fuji eat a bogo (laughs) from from makudonaldo oh yeah (laughs) oh yeah Yes. Yeah, as is a true true Yanome fashion perhaps. because <laughs> <laughs> I, I I I do agree with you. I, I do think it's going to or at least based on what we saw in the in the final thing here in the book, it does seem like Yanome will be the place where it's set. So That's what I feel like too. Mm, so that's yeah. that's exciting. Yeah. I I I don't know what, what one more to say other than I'm super stoked to read volume 13. Again, it's been waiting for me so long. And I've been waiting for it uh so yeah i'm gonna have a lot i'm gonna have a blast reading through that volume and uh i look forward to talking about it with you next week i'm so sorry for going as long as we did with the discussion but it, oh, hey. there were just so many interesting things to talk about stop apologizing it, it was it was a special volume <laughs> this was a special volume so if this if this episode goes a little over that, that's, that that's fine but but yeah, that this has been great. If you enjoy our content, you can follow us on Twitter at Umami Manga, and it would be lovely if you'd like to support us by either rating our show on the podcast platforms or subscribing to our channel Umami Manga on YouTube. If you like this episode, please share it with anyone you think might enjoy it too. Thank you so much for listening again, and we'll see you next time when we'll talk about Volume Thirteen. Bye bye. See you later. Yeah, I think you get to see like Arnold Schwarzenegger's bare butt, butt cheeks, in like mm-hmm. the first scene of one of the f- movies. That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you have a you have a recording now of me saying butt cheeks. Yes, <laughs> that's what I always wanted. It, it, like it's been it's been my end end goal of this entire time that we've known each other. Oh like, no, it's all been leading up to this. <laughs> I've been tricked. <laughs>